You're listening to a Youth Takeover edition of the Remaking Tomorrow podcast, where teens host the program and welcome peer guests. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Remaking Tomorrow, a series of conversations about the future of learning. I'm Henry, and I am here with Delina. This is a podcast powered by Remake Learning, a network that ignites engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social change and technological change. On today's episode, we'll be talking with one guest about how students should be supported through their education today and in the future. To start, let's meet Muhammad. Hello everyone, my name is Mohamed Shadid. I'm a junior at South Fayette High School and I am very interested in this topic as I think with the growing social changes that have occurred ever since COVID, a lot of students have struggled with adaptability and adjusting to normal world in terms of mental health, education, and just trying to catch up. Right, how would you define personalized learning? As someone said in a video, like a very famous video is Not every animal can climb a tree, and that's what our school system does. It's like one big tree and everyone is expected to climb it. I think the quote was, a fish can't climb a tree. And I think there are a lot of students out there who aren't best equipped to this system of learning and the system that has existed for over 100 plus years, while everything else in the world has advanced and adapted. So I think personalized learning needs to take into account the strengths and interests and passions of students and adjust to their learning needs to help them succeed. I definitely understand that there's the theory of different intelligences, that everyone is suited to, you know, a unique style of creativity or intelligence. Do you have thoughts about standardized testing? Do you believe that that's like an effective way to gauge people's intelligence? Standardized tests such as the SAT are honestly a little bit ridiculous. That one score based on your English and reading skills determine essentially your future because that's what colleges, if you choose to go down that route, judge you based on. In today's society, in a much more competitive educational place, your peers can judge you based on it as well. And I think standardized tests in general, they're standardized for a reason, to test one particular set of skills, not reflecting your personality or your other forms of intelligence, as you said. Do you wish that these ideas about personalized learning were more prevalent when you started your education? What would you change about the way you were taught and tested if you could go back in time and be in charge of all that? Uh, I definitely do wish that there was more options for personalized learning. Montour, actually, I learned about this in their high school. They have an hour in a day where you choose what you want to do, basically. You can go to certain classes and choose what you want to do. I guess I wish when I started school, there was something like that where I could choose maybe every trimester, every quarter, I could go to a, a certain set of different classes with different skill sets, just try it out, test it. If it doesn't work, move on, and then explain, like, why it did or didn't work, too, to help understand within myself like what I am truly passionate about. This talk of choosing your own classes is making me think of a lot of high schools have a core requirement for graduation. You need this many math, this many sciences. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's necessary, or do you think we can do away with that? So obviously there should be a minimum number of classes you need to take just to have a general understanding of certain math skills, English reading skills. But I think at a certain time, like, does everyone really need to take English their senior year, their junior year? I don't think so, especially since the majority of the time we're analyzing texts from like 100 years ago. Does everyone need calculus? Not necessarily, depending on the field you're into. So I think just relaxing them, making it optional to take your last two years of high school too. Also, students will be able to actually do stuff they enjoy rather than sitting in classes, barely understanding what the teacher's saying because they don't care for it. And I think it could be interesting if you took those classes and tailoring them 
to also get the stuff that is required. And I think the Gifted Center in Pittsburgh does that really well. Just for example, there was a, a zombie invasion preparation class. And that class, it was a lot of learning different math skills, and it was a brilliant way to do it. If there are any specific skills or courses you'd like to take, it can absolutely be tailored into it. That way you kill two birds with one stone. You can learn about something you're truly passionate about and get some of those requirements out of the way in the process too. Yeah, another good thing about the system of your dreams is that you're even going to be more prepared for the stuff you want to focus on in the future. Not only do you have less wasted time, but you're progressing towards whatever your goal may be. Another big important word that we're trying to get into is equity. How would you define equity as it relates to schools, education? Equity, I would say, is taking into account everyone's needs, backgrounds, situations, desires as well, and doing the best they can. Obviously, it's a difficult challenge, but that's why there are administrators, there's a board of directors. So a student that has a lot of equity, has a lot of resources, has a lot of options, opportunities too. To create that equity, do you think that should be up to the school board? Or do you think that teachers should take that more into account? I think it should be a system change because we don't want to see that divide between the board of directors and teachers. And it can stop things from ever occurring because there'll be a resistance on one side or the other. Conflicts arise, they drop it because they don't want conflicts. So if it's a systematic change, everyone understands what's happening and everyone is on the same page moving forward. What kind of changes might you make to be sure, you know, you and your peers all feel like you are supposed to be there? Inclusion of a lot more clubs, I guess, to represent a lot more passions. That way, people have something to look forward to after school to attend if they don't uh, like the traditional sports or other clubs or activities in place in schools. Also, in general, just allowing kids to be kids, honestly. High schoolers have so much more pressure on them to perform well academically, to figure out their entire lives by 18. And people who don't really fall into that trap, if you will, they may feel left out. And even people who connect their self-worth to their academic performance and don't do so well a couple times on a small quizzes here and there, they may feel as outcasts too. So I think overall the system and the stigma of education uh, needs to be addressed and that your self-worth is not connected to grades because that is absolutely ridiculous. How would you help students whose self-worth has been damaged in such a way or feel outcast or marginalized by our current system of education? Yeah, so I've been guilty of uh, connecting self-worth with grades too. I feel like everyone has at one point in their life. So just honestly, like, think about it in a logical way. In 10 years, is that one chemistry test you took a while back really going to affect you? Is it going to reflect your integrity, your character, who you are as a person, what you have accomplished by that time? It won't. All you can do is... Just try to do your best to prepare for certain exams if you do wish to do well. But if the outcome isn't exactly what you want, oh well. And do you think, you know, along those same lines that there should be more leniency, more than one redo for certain things? Being able to fix those mistakes as to aid in getting away from that feeling. With the rigid structure we have, it creates a lot of extra stress and anxiety for high schoolers. So more anxiety to having a real job when we're 16, 17, 18, which isn't healthy. So if there is more leniency, the ability for redos and tests, for example, and the ability to reduce mistakes along the way, it will encourage further learning and encourage students to take risks too. Because yeah. often if they want to get a good grade, they're just going to stay narrow in one field, study what's on the test, that's it. They won't try and learn anything else, even if they're interested in it. You'd say you'd be interested in like more 
flexible testing or maybe like an oral exam where you're actually speaking to a teacher about a subject and then you can branch off into different directions. Yeah, I think those could be uh, great options. It would allow students to be more interested with what they are learning and attempt to be more interested in that field. So, yeah. Also, I think a good idea could be when these tests are given out and when you're going to do a test that there are multiple options for how you can do that test. If someone needs to do it orally, they can, or if someone needs to do it on paper, they can, or digital kind of thing, tailor it to how that person is going to succeed the best. Do you have any opinions on classroom sizes? You know, how many members of faculty to a number of students? Because a lot of these ideas sort of hinge upon students having people to go to and having enough manpower to tailor education to particular students. So I have a couple classes right now in school where there's like 26, 27 kids at a time with one teacher. That's a crazy amount, a crazy ratio of students to a teacher. And if a student needs help, the teacher can't always accommodate them, especially to the extent that they may need. But honestly, there is a teacher shortage, especially after COVID with burnout and everything. So it is a difficult situation, I will admit. But the best that teachers can do is just try to be aware of all the students in their class and try to best support them as much as possible. We are kind of suffering from a lack of educators just because it's a difficult job with the typical hours and the typical pay. There's also definitely something to say with, you know, the fact they have to sustain their own classroom. They have to do everything themselves. And I think that it's unfair to have one person in charge of 20 plus and sustaining it all on their own. I might even say that as much as it is a problem of the structure of classrooms and the fact that we haven't changed it for a long time as much as it is both a labor problem and a financial problem. Like we don't have the resources as much as we don't have the willpower to accommodate everyone. I don't think many people understand this, but teachers receive a lot of criticism too. Even though they try to do their best, they still receive it from students, from parents, from administrators. And there's a time where they're going to be fed up and it causes them to leave the field or maybe remain in the field but not be as interested in it and as interested in helping students, which causes those who need extra help to suffer as well. How would you specifically you help students who are feeling marginalized or not good enough? They're struggling to really get into school and, and they're struggling to be successful. What would you do to aid them in thriving? The first step anyone can do, honestly, is to just listen, like truly listen to what someone is saying, not just hear what they're saying. Listen. Sometimes people just want to vent. That's okay. Just let them vent. If they don't want advice, just leave them be. But if they are seeking advice, you can listen. You can direct them to further resources, trustworthy adults. And I'm also a big advocate of mental health reform too. And I have provided educational resources and support to those who uh, struggle with mental health too. A couple of mental health organizations, one is called Work to Be Well uh, with a two. It focuses on promoting educational resources. They do podcasts as well. There's also the NHS Facilitator Network. If anyone is in NHS, you are available to join that as well. Locally, the state level, there's the PA Youth Advocacy Network. And they have several resources and organizations and initiatives they're working on too, including um, mental health reform uh, for school days to be able to take a mental health day off. What is one thing parents and educators can do to support every individual learner? Yeah, I love this question. Um, (laughs) Parents and educators, often they'll be like, well, back in my day, you have it so easy now. You're so spoiled now. Back in my day, I had to do this. It's not the same situation. 
Obviously, we have to respect the challenges our parents and educators have faced, but it's not the same. Our generation, Gen Z especially, we've lived through a pandemic, a two-year pandemic. There's war going around across the world. There's been threats of World War III for like the past five years. So we're, we're living with a lot of more social anxiety and social pressures. Not saying that they didn't, but at the time, it's, it's just a different situation for us. And we're trying to learn how to handle it all. So I guess the best thing they can do is just acknowledge our feelings, truly acknowledge it, acknowledge that they don't really understand how our minds think and try to support us in an appropriate way thereafter. It's difficult to compare struggles, but there's definitely an aspect of just a different situation that doesn't necessarily mean it's easier or harder. It just means you have to acknowledge that there is a situation. Yeah. I think that is scary for some parents and some educators to grasp because, you know, it's something that they didn't deal with. They didn't grow up with. You know, they might not know how to deal with that. It'd be easier if we were dealing with the same struggles that they spent their childhoods learning how to deal with. Well, thanks, Mohammed, for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Just to all the students out there who feel like they need to get 100 uh, every time, it's okay. Relax. Enjoy high school. It's only four years. Remaking Tomorrow is powered by Remake Learning, a Pittsburgh-based network of people and organizations that ignite engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in the support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. Learn more at remakelearning.org.